know, every time that I stand up here and open God's Word, uh, my thought and my desire is twofold. One, I want to be honest with the text. Whatever the passage is that we're looking at, I, I want to be honest with the text, and I want it to, to speak, for it to speak to, to you, for it to speak to us as a, as a body. But the second thing that I desire is that I want you to be able to open his word on Tuesday morning and to help teach you how to look at the word and to see what's there. Not, not just to come here and be fed on Sunday mornings, but to help you be able to read scripture, to be able to be, to, to be taught what to look for in scripture. And so with that being said, this morning, I want us to look at Luke chapter 1. We're going to be in Luke chapter 1, starting in verse 26 and going down through, um, actually going to go all the way through verse 56. Luke 26, down through verse 56. And what I want to do this morning is this. I want to give you a few thoughts from the passage, just a few thoughts from the passage, and then as we continue with the sermon this morning, see two central truths for us. So let's read. I'm going to uh, start in verse 26 and we will finish our reading this morning in verse 38, but uh, we'll pick it back up a little later in the sermon. states this, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and, and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will... All this be, since I'm a virgin. The angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. Behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has, has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who is called barren. For nothing, for nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, 
Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Heavenly Father, as we come this morning, Father, as we, we read a, a, a passage that most of us know the story. God, most of us know the story of, of Mary and Joseph. God, we are familiar with it. But Lord, may, God, may, may we, even if we are familiar with it, may, may it not be dull in our hearts, in our minds, in our lives, because it is a miracle of you, of what you have done for me what you have done for us. So God, as we see these thoughts and the two central truths this morning, God, would you speak? God, that that the men and women in this room, the, the males and the females would hear from you. God, we would all hear from you, our King, this morning. God, that you would draw us close to you. And use us where you send us each and every day this coming week to bring glory to your name. I ask it in Christ's name. Amen. A few thoughts from the passage. If you read these verses, a few things jump out. The the first is, is this, what in the world does it mean about this sixth month? There in verse 26, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph. And the virgin's name was Mary. What, what does this sixth month mean? It, it, it alludes to what is spoken of a little later in the verses, the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy with John. We know him as John the Baptist. And so Luke is is bringing some context to this event. And he's going to share with us the birth of John a little later in uh, chapter 1. But And he says, hey, this man is great. John the Baptist is great among men. But the one that is coming to you, Mary, is great. Period. So the sixth month there means the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy. Second thing is that of Gabriel himself. He was an angel. Uh, This angel named Gabriel is a messenger of God and he was sent from God to deliver a message. And he willingly delivered that message. Where was he sent? He was sent to Galilee. What is Galilee? Galilee is an agricultural region, northern Israel. It's an agrarian community, simple life compared to the people of Jerusalem. This place was full of simple, regular people. And one of those was a woman by the name of Mary. Do you see that in verse 27? 
Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, verse 27, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. Some 700 years before that encounter that Luke records, it was prophesied by the prophet Isaiah in Isaiah chapter 7 that there would be a virgin who would conceive and give birth to a son and he would be the prince of peace. He would be mighty God. He, He would be an everlasting king. And some 700 years passes. First the days, then months, then years, decades, even centuries. And now, in Galilee, strangest of all places, word comes to a virgin. This prophecy is going to be fulfilled. You know, one of my favorite Christmas songs, and... Please, nobody leave. I'm not going to sing it this morning. But one of my favorite Christmas songs is by For Him, old old, uh, group in the 80s and 90s. And the title of the song is Such a Strange Way to Save the World. Just think. A little place called Bethlehem to a little girl, probably 12, 13, 14 years of age, God says, I'm going to use you to bring my son into the world. Such a strange way to save the world. We hear this term there in verse 27 and 28, that of a virgin. What does it mean to be a virgin? A virgin is one who in this sense, has no sexual experience whatsoever. Students, let me talk to you for just a second. We're going to leave all the adults out. We're just going to talk to you for just a second. And they can't hear me when I say this, but I'm really not just talking to you. I'm talking to them too, and we'll get to them in just a second. The second greatest gift you can give your future spouse is your virginity. The second greatest gift that you can give your spouse is your virginity. And you're like, why not the first? Well, the first is your heart and life surrendered to our king. It's the greatest gift that you can ever give. But the second greatest gift that you can ever give your future spouse is your virginity. You're like, Brian, how in the world are you getting this from Luke chapter 1? We're talking about the birth of Jesus. Exactly. That's exactly what we're talking about. But some of you as students and some of you as adults might ask, well, what do I do if I've already broken it? What do I do if I've already given that up? Well, my statement to you would be this. Stop now. Stop right now. If you are having... Sexual experience outside of wedlock stop right now. Men, 
Stop the pornography now. You and I both know it's fake. It's not real. It's not how God designed sex. And you have chained yourself to it. And as a child of the king, you no longer have to be chained to it. You no longer have to be chained to this master that you have bowed down to. Run to the cross every morning. Run to the cross every afternoon. And run to bed at every, every night and go to sleep and not turn it on. Ladies. Don't want to leave you out. Stop with the romance novels that you're dreaming about. Stop with the Hallmark channel because you think life is supposed to be like a Hallmark movie because it's not. I think I hit a nerve. It's a movie. It's fake for for every single one of us in the room. You and I as children of the king, as children of the king, we don't have to serve that master any longer. So I was thinking about what I was just said. A thought came across my mind that in our culture and in our day today, the average age of someone seeing pornography for the first time is 11 years old. 11 years old. So what do you do, students, if you've seen pornography, if you're chained to that? What do you do, men, if you're chained to that? What do you do, ladies, if you're chained to that? First, you stop it. You, you put barriers up. Students, you go to your K-group leader. You go to Austin, Caitlin. You come to me and you say, help, I, I have issues here problems here. Let us hold you accountable. Men, what do you do? You get a filter. You go to bed. You exercise. You come talk to me. Accountability. Get it. You need it. Ladies, what do you do? Talk with Paige. Talk with others. Bring others from your connect group, from your small group around and say, I need accountability here. It's an addiction and it's strong. And it's running rampant in this city. And I would dare say it's running rampant in this room. And it needs to stop. It needs to stop right now. A few years back, there was a a group of pastors in Hernando. And we brought uh, Michael White, a detective in Hernando, uh, to talk to us about this. And he put up on the the screen, the television, uh, a piece of software hooked his computer to it, and he said, every one of the red dots in DeSoto County is pornography that's happening right now, and it was all over. And then there were blue dots. And somebody, not myself, said, what about the blue dots? He said, that's child pornography happening right now. There was more red than there was blue, but there was a lot of blue. There was a lot of blue in Hernando. There was a lot of blue in South Haven. There was a lot of blue. We're like, why why don't you stop that? He's like, how do you stop that? We don't have enough cops to go to every one of those dots. A 
virgin whose name was Mary. Next thought. Look down in verse 37 if you have a copy of God's Word. Verse 37 states this. Let me start in verse 35. It says, And the angel answered her after she asked the question in 34, How will this be since I'm a virgin? She understood biology. How in the world is this going to happen? The angel said, Hey, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative... In her old age, Elizabeth has also conceived a son, and this is the sixth month with her who is called barren. Verse 37, for nothing is impossible with God. You don't think you can get out of the uh, chains of whatever addiction you have? Nothing is impossible with God. You don't think that you can get out of the, the, the chains of the culture that you and I live in? Nothing is impossible with God. Job chapter 42 verse 1 and 2 states this. In those times, Job said, he answered the Lord and said, I know, I know after all those friends came and after all those sermons around the ash heap, after all those doubts After all the loss of chapters 1 and 2 and all the questions that he had for 40 chapters, Job says this, I know that you can do all things, Lord, and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. So teenagers, let me come back to you. I know the pressure is hard. Been there? I know the pressure is hard. But do you think it's God's purpose? If you see it there on the screen, verse 1 and 2 again. Do you think it's God's purpose for you to go into your mate's lifelong mate, your spouse? Do you think that his purpose is for you to go into it full or to go into it broken? Sir, do you think that his purpose for you in your life right now is that his purpose is for you to go in Broken or full? Healthy or sick? Paul put it this way in Romans chapter 4, verses 20 and 21. He said this, No unbelief made him waver, speaking of Paul, no unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God, fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. As I look at you this morning, just thoughts from the passage. We haven't even got to the key truths. Do you believe God? Do you believe God? That's the question that we have to answer. Do you believe God?
Because if you and I believe God, then we will find ourselves aligned with this, in her words, handmaid or slave girl. Mary didn't think too highly of herself. If you look in verse 38 there, Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. The servant of the Lord, this handmaid, this slave girl. As one commentator that I read this week stated it this way. It expresses that servant of the Lord or handmaid slave girl expresses complete obedience. The slave girl could not... um, could not but do the will of her master. This is reinforced with, let it be to me according to your word. You and I are apt. You and I. May we be apt to take this as the most natural thing. And accordingly, we miss, we might miss Mary's quiet heroism. She was not yet married to Joseph. His reaction to her pregnancy might have been expected to be a strong one. And Matthew tells us that he did in fact think of divorcing her. We saw that last week. Again, while the death penalty for adultery, this commentator states, does not seem to have been carried out often, it was still there. Mary could not be sure that she would not have to suffer, perhaps even die. But she recognized the will of God and accepted it. God ask a strange thing to you. Hey, why, why don't you be different from the world? Why, why don't you go about and carry about my kingdom to a dark world? How do you respond? Well, Lord, you just, you just don't understand the, the group of folks that I have to work with. You, you don't understand the task that that this guy has over me every single day. You don't understand. Isn't he king? Isn't he Lord of all? Isn't he God? Isn't he the one who created everything? And here this example in front of us for 2017 is this. Will we answer the same way that Mary answered? Be it unto me, according to your word. If that's what you want, Lord, my yes is on the table. How could she do it? She believed God was who he said he was. You and I need not try to straddle the fence any longer. You and I need not try to have favor with the world and favor with God. You and I cannot serve two two masters why would we not be why would we be different than Joshua as Joshua stated in Joshua chapter 24 choose you today who you're going to serve but as for me and my house we will serve the lord two truths quickly this morning from this passage The first truth is this, that the favor of God is a gift 
given to his children. The favor of God is a gift given to his children. Favor is given. It's it's a gift that God has placed on individuals. In this gift, we see it spoken of here in verses 28 through 30. Let me read those verses for us again and let's see this favor that is spoken of. And he came and said to her, Greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you, but she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Mary's trembling. Mary is upset. She's afraid. There is this being in front of her that is talking about her, talking to her, and Gabriel tries to calm the nerves by saying, you're a favored one, and you have found favor with God. What would it take for you in that moment to have your nerves calm down? An angel is talking to you. You're shaking. I mean, visibly shaking. Hey, oh, favored one. No, Brian, you, you, sir, ma'am, you have found favor with God. What does it mean to find favor with God? Wouldn't that answer some questions? Lord, am I doing what you want me to do? God, am, am I where you want me to be? Lord, is this what you have in store? Is that the next step? Hey, don't be afraid. You're a favored one of the child. You're, you're a favored one of God. You're a child of the king. To hear those words, highly favored. Mary is highly favored, verse 28 states, receiving God's grace. One commentator stated it this way. God's grace on the basis of his sovereign action. One can always rejoice when God chooses to show his presence through his grace. Thus, the Lord is with her. Luke records the conversation between Mary and Gabriel. Remember that he is a messenger, an angel sent to deliver this message, and he is trying to get the message across that she is going to be with child. Hey, Mary, you're on the right track. Hey, sir, keep going. Ma'am, that's exactly what I have for you. Keep going. Obey. Be willing. So Mary answers the visitor there in verse number 38. Be it unto me according to your word. But that's not just the central truth. There is one more. We must read the song that Mary sang after this event and after her visiting with Elizabeth. So, I don't believe the verses will be on the screen, but follow along with me in verse number 46 as we see this song that Mary sings. And the third point this morning and the second central truth is this, that the King is coming to be with us. 
As I read, here's what I want you to do. I want you to think about all the things that Mary's doing in the song, all the activity that she is doing, and all the activity that the Lord is doing, and see which one is more central. Mary said, verse 46, My soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me. And holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy. As he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. And Mary remained with her, with Elizabeth, about three months and then returned to her home. As Mary sang this song, as her mind was thinking of all that she had heard, the events that she was walking toward, that of seeing Elizabeth barren for years, now with child, We skipped over when they met in verses 39 through 44, 45. But as she walks into the house, the baby inside of Elizabeth jumps and Elizabeth speaks. All this is going on. And Mary records a song. In the first verse of the song, my soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit's rejoicing in God, my Savior. He has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on, all the generations are going to look up and call me blessed. I started thinking. James chapter 4. James chapter 4 states this. Or do you suppose... It is to no purpose that the scripture says he yearns jealously over the spirit that he has made to dwell in us. But he gives more grace. Therefore, it says God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be wretched, mourn, weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will exalt you. My soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. He has looked on the humble estate of this, his servant. And he has done great things. 
The king is coming to be with you, to be with us. Again, this week we see this prophecy of Jesus coming to be with us. A child is to be given and is given to Mary and Joseph. Eleven o'clock, December the third, two thousand and seventeen. Let me close the sermon this way. I want you to do a personal check. Personal check in your life over the last week. What happened in your life over the last week? If you say that you are a son or a daughter of the king, if you say that you are his, you have bowed the knee, you have confessed with your mouth that Jesus is Savior and Lord, what happened this past week in your life that you can say, God did it? Monday, what happened Monday that you can honestly say, wasn't me, that was God. Tuesday, we're working on 48 hours now in the last week. What happened Tuesday in your life that you can say, God showed up and he did it. Wednesday, Brian, would you just hurry up and get through the week? What, what happened this week? This past week in your life? Let me ask you a second question. Any day last week did you say, hey, Lord, be it unto you what you have said in your word. I'll do what, what you said in your word. I just read black ink on a, on a white page. It was your word, Lord. I just read it and I'll do it. And that you humbled yourself under his authority and said, all right, I'll do it. In the last month, or in the last week and last month and possibly even the last year and maybe multiple years, have you found yourself just going another day looking just like the folks who live two doors down, the person that sits in the cubicle next to you, the person who comes in the store across the desk from you. Is there a difference? Students, there is to be a difference in your life than the life of those who don't know Christ. Adults, there is to be a difference in your life than those who don't know Christ. Hey, preacher, there is to be a difference in your life than those who don't know Christ. Mary understood her culture. And maybe it's all too well that you and I understand ours. Maybe we understand it so well because we're a part of it. Instead of being transformed by the renewing of your mind and in the culture, we have become a part of the culture. I can't manufacture repentance in you. It's not my job. 
the one who does it, does it perfectly. And I pray that he is doing it even now. That he would draw you and he would draw me back to him. The central truth of Luke chapter 1 is the birth announcement of our king. He came into his creation that he created to save you. And you need it. And I need it. And I'm so thankful that he came. And I'm so thankful that it was written and recorded that this humble servant girl allowed to say, you know what? Lord, if that's what you want me to do, I'll do it. If you want to be shunned by everybody around me for that purpose, which is a great purpose, I'll do it. And he is calling the same to you, not to bear his son as a baby, no, but to bear his son's name into the darkness that you go into every single day, up and down the halls of a, of a high school or a junior high, in the office complex that you walk into, you are to bear the name of Christ. In a city, in a community, in a neighborhood, in a home that desperately needs it, you are sent. Will you go? Father, some 2,000 years ago, you sent a messenger, Gabriel. Father, you sent a messenger to the home of a teenager. Father, what a message you sent with him. And Father, what a message you have with us to sin. Lord, I don't stand up here perfect. You know that. Father, apart from you, I can't do anything good whatsoever. But Father, I know surrendered to you, as the example was shown with Mary, surrendered to you, allowing you to live in and through me, Father, it changes me. Lord, it changes us if we would do that. If we would put our yes on the table that we will go into the workplace. We will go into this week. We will, we will live Sunday under the authority of the king. God, I pray for uh, every single man in this room. Father, that we would bow the knee to you and understand and believe you are God. Every woman in this room, Father, that they would bow the knee and they would come back to you. If they know you, they would come back to you. If they don't know you, they would come to know you today. For you have a greater purpose than we could think of. You have called us to a greater work than we could ever dream of. Father, I pray that you would call us back to yourself.
Father, that you would show us what that work is and that we would believe you. God, we would obey you. Thank you for your word. May it drive deep into my heart, Father, and may it not leave. May it do the same for those in this room. I ask it in Christ's name. Amen. Would you stand and join with us as we sing? It's a song of response, an opportunity for you, right where you are, maybe down front, maybe to come talk with me, but to respond back to our Father. You respond as we sing.